0: It can sound like a scary movie or a ghostly tale around a campfire, but millions of people around the world believe in some form of animism, a world of spirits, forces, and multiple gods which interact with us every day. Why do so many believe that the spirits of their dead ancestors still linger and demand our attention? Most importantly, is there anything about animism that can be dangerous? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuccarin. Dr. Zuccarin is an expert on world religions, cults, and the occult. Today, you'll hear his presentation before an audience in Hawaii. A beautiful place, but it's known for its many animistic religions. Pat will explain what animism is and evaluate the animistic worldview. And you're about to hear some very interesting stories. And as you listen today, we'd like to invite you to our website where you'll find the most important spiritual and cultural topics discussed in our many resources. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism is at evidenceandanswers.org. You can download past shows, interviews with leading experts, as well as past books and articles. We think you'll be amazed at the resources available for download at evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, here's Pat Zuckerin with part one of his teaching on animism.
1: You know, a few years ago, a story appeared in the Star Bulletin and read like this. There were reports of a ghostly presence on Moanalua High School campus. Workers on a construction project there frequently called in sick or had problems with machinery. The site was blessed twice before the alleged incident stopped and workers resumed work. When construction equipment began arriving at Moanalua High School last week for a new project, school staffers were eager to bless the site of of the future multi-purpose building as soon as possible. The construction crew didn't want to start work until the area had been blessed. Everyone's a little bit nervous after what happened last time, said Principal Heupel. The site was blessed during a last-minute afternoon ceremony on Monday. The crew apparently heard about unexplained going-ons during another construction project that was beset with problems at Mauna Loa High three years ago. The equipment was stored near the new where the new building is going up. These guys have, who have been all over the island they've seen things and I respect their stories Principal Hypo said. The stories included a bulldozer careening out of control into the student parking lot moments before the school bell rang at the end of the day and a safety cover on a cross saw breaking and cutting and injuring a worker. A kahu, who has since died, explained back then that the crew may have brought spirits from a previous work site that were clashing with the spirits inhabiting the Moanalua campus. Researchers and retired staff have said that the campus is built near the former site of a heiau and is allegedly in the path of the night marchers, or the spirits of the ancient Hawaiian warriors, said Heipel. A house for women was allegedly built where the cafeteria now sits. Strange occurrences, not related to the construction but involving a woman, have some staff and students convinced the school has a resident ghost. The staff believes she exists because they've seen her, a young woman with long brown hair, wearing a white tunic, whirling about the cafeteria. She's supposedly friendly and playful, often calling staff by name, and they have. Profound respect for her. The staff also have seen floating dishes and footprints and heard women's voices laughing and crying. Floating dishes. If we could train this ghost to wash dishes, you know, I mean. (laughs) The occurrences happen mostly around September and October. Cafeteria staff speculate it's because the lady has missed the students during the summer break and is glad they're back in school. Well, stories like these, for those of us who've been in Hawaii for many years, and for those of us who grew up, stories like these abound in Hawaii, but also throughout the world. And the Hawaiian religion is an example of what is called animistic, or folk religions, or tribal religions. And there's religions like these all over the world. Now, what do we mean by animistic religions? Well, animism comes from the Latin word anima, means life, breath, or soul. And animism is the belief that this world is inhabited by spirits and powers which interact with this physical world and affect our daily activities. Things that happen in this world each day are the result of spirits and powers and forces and the gods interacting with what's going on here in the physical world. And animism is a crafty religion because it blends in with most of the religions. Among the followers of the major religions, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and even Christianity, lie many animistic beliefs twisted in there. And despite the spread of major religions, animistic beliefs are prevalent throughout the religions of the world. 65% of Taiwanese believe in the Chinese folk religions. In India, most of the Hindus are what we would call folk religions. Hindus. They hold to animistic beliefs. In Arabia, Pakistan, Malaysia, and Indonesia, most would be considered folk Muslims. In China, most Buddhists are folk Buddhists. Here is a 400-foot statue there in East Asia, carved into a mountain by hand over 400 years ago. 400-foot Buddhist statue. And the reason it's carved is because right at the feet of the Buddha sits a river. That's where three rivers joined. And centuries ago, this river flooded, killing hundreds of people in the village there. And they asked a wise man, "Why did this flood occur?" And he said, "Because there is a dragon in the river. And the dragon was angered and aroused and flooded our villages. And so we need to build a giant statue of a Buddha there to scare the dragon back into the water." And so by hand one Buddhist priest began carving this statue of the Buddha into the mountain. And the other villagers were terrified. They didn't want to go near it. But they were inspired by his courage and his determination. They came out and joined him. And by hand, centuries ago, they carved this giant Buddha into the mountain. This would be considered animistic Buddhism or folk Buddhism. Many Christians hold to animistic beliefs as well. I remember when I was on the Big Island, I just made a passing comment about Kainaloa, the god of the ocean. And a young woman at church, we were walking out and she said, Pat, don't joke about that. My family and I take this seriously. We leave an offering for Kainaloa on our porch every night. Sometimes what is considered spiritual warfare okay, is actually the repackaging of animism in Christian terms. So we need to be careful uh, we're not buying into the worldview of animism. Now, the origins of animism are found in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 teaches this. We begin in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and in their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. This is the origin of animism in a lot of the religions of the world. We begin with the understanding of God who created all things, but through our unrighteousness suppress that truth and begin worshiping the creation around us rather than the creator. Now, the key to understanding the Hawaiian religions or the animistic religions of the world you must first understand the two worlds in the animistic worldview. We have the physical or the seen world, and then we have the unseen world. First, let's take a look at the seen world, the physical world. First, we have the earth. The earth is seen as something that is alive. Often, it is divinized and called the mother earth. And if you talk to Hawaiians, right, the aina, take care of the aina and she'll take care of you. right? We treat the earth, the land, as, it's, uh, as if it is alive. Second, nature. Nature is seen as alive. Hills, caves, mountains, lakes are often sacred places inhabited by gods or the spirits or by special power. Here in Japan, this is the sacred uh, island of Miyajima. How many of you have been there? One. (laughs) You guys need to get out more. This is one of the three treasures of Japan. This island was considered sacred. It's such a beautiful island, and they considered the spirit of the gods were there on the island. No one was allowed on that island except royalty. And there's the famous Torii Gate. It sits in front of sacred places, and it's out on the ocean. very famous big gate because that tells you that as you approach this island, this is a sacred island. The spirit of the gods are there, and there on the left is a picture of the magnificent floating temple of Miyajima. And when the tide comes up, comes right up to the floor, and it looks like that temple is floating. That's an example of how in the animistic culture, nature is seen as sacred or a place where the spirits of the gods may dwell. If there is a beautiful lake, perhaps the spirit of a god is there. If there is a beautiful tree, perhaps the spirit of a god dwells there. If there's a magnificent mountain, perhaps the spirit of a god dwells there. And we see that here throughout Hawaii. Then we have plants. Trees like oaks and cedars, especially if they're large and ancient, are worshipped in Europe. Forests are seen as sacred places where the spirits dwell. Here is a picture of the ohello berry, the sacred ohello berry that grows up on the mountains, uh, the volcanic mountains of Kilauea and Haleakala. And many of you may have been told if you went up there and you tried to eat one, you may have been scolded. Don't touch those things. Before you eat one, what are you supposed to do? Ask permission, and the first one you don't eat. You throw it towards the volcano or into the volcano, offering it to Pele, the fire goddess, before you can take one. It's considered a sacred plant if you... Just take one and eat one, Pele is going to come after you. Either the volcano is going to erupt or some curse is going to be upon you until you go back and make things right. Animals. Some animals are sacred. In India, the cow and the monkey are very sacred. And often in animistic religions, the gods take on the forms of animals or witch doctors may take on the form of animals to transport themselves. In the Hawaiian religion, kainaloa often comes in the form of a shark. Then there are mythical beings, trolls and fairies. And you'll be interested in this. Throughout the world, there are also legends of little people. They can be mischievous, but they can also be good. They also have special powers. In Ireland and other places in Europe, you have the leprechaun. In Okinawa, there's also a little guy. who runs around, who may steal your lunch if you're not careful or move things in your house. In Hawaii, what do we have? The Menehunes, right? They are small little guys, powerful beings, and they only come out at night. And there in Kauai, we have the famous Menehune Bridge there. And the legend has it that the Menehunes made their home there in Kauai, These mysterious people were very industrious and used their great strength and engineering to accomplish mighty feats overnight. And the seaward end of this fish pond was left unfinished because dawn came up before the Menehune had completed their work. So many generations later, the wall was completed. However, the stone work which was used to close the gap was far inferior to the original work that many believed the Menehune had done. Then there are sacred people, witch doctors or witches. There on the right, there is a Haitian witch doctor there performing a blood sacrifice there. In Hawaii, the witch doctor is known as the kahuna. Other places, there are witches. They are some of the most greatly feared people in animistic religions. You go there to Africa. They live in great fear of the witch doctor. Witches and witch doctors can use their powers for good or for evil. They can use their powers to protect communities from um, evil spirits. They can use their power to communicate with the gods and with the spirits. In most societies, these are are the most feared people. In fact... uh, Many witch doctors are believed to be able to travel great distances in short periods or kill people from a distance by putting a curse upon them. And in Africa, they're pretty blatant about it. They'll tell you, we communicate with the demons. And we have the power of the demons who possess us. They're pretty blatant about it in Africa and in countries like Haiti. In fact, in Haiti... The witch doctor is greatly feared because he can turn people into zombies. You know what a zombie is? Yeah, he can turn people into zombies. The way he does it is this. There is an herb that um, has a a very numbing effect upon the body. And what he does, he's he's immune to it. But what he'll do is he'll soak his fingers in the dye of that herb. And then he'll come upon someone and touch them upon touch them on the forehead. Okay? And they absorb that acid into their brain and they become like a zombie, okay? almost in some kind of coma or sleepwalking kind of state. It's a very scary experience when you see these kinds of people walking around. But that's why the witch doctor is feared. In the Hawaiian culture, the witch doctor is feared why? Because he can capture your soul, right? At night, many Hawaiians believe that it's your soul that travels. That's why you have dreams. And it's the kahuna who can come and steal your soul, capture your soul when it's wandering around at night. It is the kahuna that can put a curse upon you. Then there are sacred objects. A whole host of objects possess power and can be potentially dangerous if not handled carefully. They can be used by individuals for good, or for evil purposes. Stones are believed to possess sacred power. Certain plants or insects are believed to be sacred. Carved images believed to possess the spirit of the deities within them. Here in Hawaii, we have the legend of the lava rock, right? If you take a lava rock with you, tourists are always warned, don't take a lava rock home. But if you take a lava rock home, uh, Pele will be angry. And bad things will happen to you. In fact, there's an article here from the Honolulu Advertiser just a few years back. It tells the story of a woman who did. She took a bunch of lava rocks home. And it says here, Laurie, a military wife who used to live in Hawaii, regrets taking some stones and shells from Oahu shoreline. She felt such a need to return them that she sent the box of rocks, the postage, $10.35, back to the newspaper. In a note, she recounts a list of terrible things that have happened. Her wedding gown was lost in her move to Florida. She's had marital problems, job troubles, a son who broke his collarbone. She was bitten by a dolphin, and she broke out in a strange rash on her neck. And that's just the short of it. When she began recounting her woes to a girlfriend, the friend suggested maybe the rocks had something to do with it. She says, if I had known anything about the rocks, I never would have taken them, she said, when she was called the other day by this reporter. And by the way, she says, her luck has completely turned around since she has mailed those rocks back. Well, that is the seen world or the physical world in animism. Now let's take a look at the unseen world. The unseen world consists of a hierarchy of God's spirits and powers. First, there's what's called mana, and it's pronounced very similar, not only here in Hawaii, but throughout the world. Mana, it's the life force. Mana permeates all of the universe. It's impersonal. It's a force. It is not worshipped. This sacred power concentrates more heavily in the deities, in sacred people, such as the kahuna or the witch doctors, in certain sacred places, or in certain sacred places objects. Then in most animistic cultures, according to Romans chapter 1, and we have confirmed this through historical study, uh, maybe the most recent work was done by Don Richardson called Eternity in Their Hearts. In the majority of animistic religions, there is a belief in a supreme God who lives in the heavens, often called the sky God, who created all things. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's a moral God. He's often called Father or some kind of male name, and he rules over all the gods. And there's legends in almost every culture that somehow this creator god was angered when people disobeyed his moral law, thus, he became they lost communication with him, and he was far removed from man to be known personally anymore. And therefore, the people had to turn to worship the lesser gods. Because they were the ones communicating with man. The lesser gods and the spirits and the forces that are out there. But behind all those gods, there is stories all over the culture of a heavenly father God. And his character qualities match that of the Bible. Now remember that when you're in animistic cultures. Because that's often the bridge that we use to present the gospel. Then we have a whole host Of lesser gods and these are the ones that come into play these are the ones that the people communicate with and interact with in animistic cultures now these gods are finite they're not all-powerful they possess specific powers and are localized to certain geographical areas only Kainaloa is only the god of the sea his power doesn't extend over the land Pele she's the fire goddess But her powers don't extend over the ocean. A lot of the hulas that are done are told of the battle between Pele and Kainaloa. Their presence is in places such as rivers, mountains, forests, and oceans. Different gods exercise their powers over certain areas of nature, the storm, the rain. Uh, One lives in constant fear of the gods, obeying sacred Practices such as sacrifices and dances are done so as not to offend the gods. We see this in the book of Exodus, right? When God was delivering the people from Egypt, he delivered them using ten plagues. Why did he pick those plagues? Think about it. Why did he turn now to blood? Then the gnats, you know, and then hail falling, uh, turning to fire once it hits the ground. Darkness. Why is that? God was showing he is God over all creation. Each one of those plagues represents a God of Egypt. There's the God of the gnats, God of the livestock, God of the Nile. There's a God over each one of those areas. And God, the the God of the people of Israel, was showing he is the true God over all of creation. Was showing he has mastery over every aspect that you think your God has mastery over. So, when each plague was occurring, the Egyptians were knowing our gods are being defeated by the true God of Israel. We don't stand a chance. In Hawaii, there are numerous, numerous gods. Here's some of the more famous ones that you see tikis built for, or if you see the hulas or some of the ancient Hawaiian songs, here's some of the gods whose names that you'll hear Ku, the god of war, Pele. Probably the most popular. Probably much of the Hawaiian hulas are done for Pele, the fire goddess. Lono, the god of agriculture and peacetime. Kanaloa, the god of the sea. Kane, the god of creation, sunlight, and the forest. And and these gods also have sisters and brothers. They're involved in immoral practices, producing sons and daughters as well. Then we have half-divine beings like Hercules, sons and daughters of the gods. Some are humans who through their extraordinary life became deified like, like a god. For example, the emperor of Japan was thought to be one of the descendants of the sun gods. Many of these beings had supernatural births and many did not die but somehow just kind of vanished into the sky. Many taught humans valuable skills like fire or how to make canoes, houses, planting fruits. In Hawaiian, they're called the kupua, such as, we have pictured here, Maui. Maui is the Hercules of Hawaii. And growing up, we probably heard a lot of legends of Maui. You know, one of them is that the sun would race across the sky and not give the people of Hawaii enough time to plant their crops because he just continued to race across the sky. So Maui, upon the highest mountain, stood there, and he captured the sun. He caught the sun, and he beat the sun, until the sun promised that he would go slowly across the sky uh, to have the day and nights that we have now. That's the legend of Maui. Then there are spirits and ghosts. The difference is this. Spirits never inhabited human bodies. They can be good or they can be evil, but they often must be appeased. If offended, they will do great evil.
0: Well, Pat is just getting started on the topic of animism, but we're out of time, so we'll pick it up right there next time on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. And in the meantime, this and other resources on animism are at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. As we like to say, you'll find everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism available at evidenceandanswers.org. And if you join us in believing that a radio program like this should be on the air, a program that presents and defends the claims of Christ and intelligently evaluates spirituality and culture, then please support us financially to help us stay on this station. One way to do that is by purchasing our resources at evidenceandanswers.org. You'll equip and educate yourself and others on major topics of faith and culture. Another way is simply to click on the Donate button on our front page at evidenceandanswers.org. Please do so today. We really appreciate it. That's evidenceandanswers.org. We'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckery.